It is indeed the Glenn Beck program. Jeff Katz in today for Glenn. Guess what? Donald Trump is 0-2. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's Nancy Pelosi. We'll chat about it in 60 seconds. Jeff Katz in for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck program. The Glenn Beck program. All right, it is Jeff Katz in today for Glenn. It is fascinating how all of the global warming is impacting all of us. You know, it's uh, it's one of those weird things. Uh, here in the Commonwealth of Virginia, I'm right here in central Virginia, uh, we have had snow, we have had ice, we have had power outages. And I know the last time I chatted with Glenn, Glenn was telling me about how wonderful Texas was. It was perfect. Uh, apparently, they got some of the same weather. And uh, well, anyway, what can I tell you? So, uh, Glenn is out of commission, sort of, kind of, with some technical difficulties. But I'm so happy to uh, to be able to help out a little bit. Uh, we should talk for a couple of moments about what happened in Washington D.C. over the last couple of days. It was a sham and a scam, and it was painful to watch. I don't know anybody who was happy with the activities we saw on January the 6th. In fact, uh, let me go on record as saying that everybody I know looked at what happened on January the 6th and said, that's not America. That's not what we do. We don't storm buildings. We don't take over the House of Representatives or the United States Senate. That's just not what we do. That's not what Americans do. What we as Americans do is contest and, and compete in, in the strongest possible ways at election time. That's what we do. We, we, we look at the possibilities we look at the vision we we look at the hopes and and the dreams that we all have and we say okay what is the best way for us to do all of this stuff i mean that's really what it's all about isn't it at the at the end of the day we are all hoping against hope praying that that the right things happen now, in some cases, the right things don't happen, or at least we don't think they're the right things, right? We, we think to ourselves, it, it should have gone this way, it, it, it should have gone that way, and, and it, it just didn't. For whatever reason, it just didn't. So you tell me, what do we do? What do we do? I'll tell you what we do. What we do is say, work harder. What we do is we say, maybe we didn't do it right the last time. Maybe, just maybe, we need to change our approach. Maybe, just maybe, we need to do something a little bit different. And maybe, just maybe we we make it work at that point but 
what we don't do is storm the building, right? So we're all in agreement on that. Now, that being said, that being said, what happened over these last couple of days with the the latest impeachment circus, and gosh, that's what it was, a scam and a sham of epic proportion, just, just a ridiculous, ridiculous performance art exhibition was also inexcusable. It was just outrageous. It was one of those things that, as an American, you look at and say, I thought we had other stuff to do. Now, I understand if you are Nancy Pelosi. You don't really have anything else to do. That if you are, in fact, Nancy Pelosi, what you're really trying to do on a, on a regular basis is hold on to your power. Hold on as best you can to this, this power that you have accumulated over decades in Washington, D.C., You are trying as best you can to stay in control, frankly, of your own own party in the House of Representatives because as as extreme and as left-wing, bat-crap crazy as most of us think you are, the folks in your own caucus look at you and say, wait a minute. She is not nearly crazy enough for us. She is not nearly left-wing enough for us. Now go ahead, let let that sink in just, just a little bit. Let us just try and figure out how it is possible. It is possible. that we don't quite understand. (laughs) We we look at this, and I'm, I'm telling you, we look at it and think to ourselves, hold on a second here. Just hold on a second. We, 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 we want it to be even further outside the, the boundaries And apparently the answer was yes. Just so we are clear, apparently the answer was yes. Because what happened was that these House managers went to the Senate and said, we're sure this guy is bad. And you know what's funny? There are a lot of people up there saying, oh, yeah, 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 we agree with you. Totally bad. Totally bad. Bad guy, bad guy, bad guy. And then they said, and, and because we don't like him, and there were people going, oh, yeah, we, we don't like him either. Oh, you're so right. You're so completely right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bad guy, bad guy. We don't like him. We don't like him. We don't like him. But that's not enough, is it? No, I mean, it really isn't. That's simply not enough. It's not enough to convict anybody of a crime. It's not enough to punish anyone for 
well, I don't even know what it is that we're trying to punish them for. Do you know what we were trying to punish Donald Trump for? Because I can't figure that one out, gang. Were we trying to punish him for leading a revolt? Because he didn't lead a revolt, so far as I can tell. I mean, four years ago, he led a revolt. But this wasn't the revolt, was it? He gave a speech. And he gave a speech that inspired his supporters, inspired many people for sure. But the question was, did it incite them? Did it in any way convince his supporters who attended that speech in Washington, D.C.? Did it incite them to commit an act of violence? That's the question. That's what the question has always been. And the determination here seems to be no. That should be the end of it, right? At this point, it would seem to me most people say, all right, now we move on to something else. Former President Trump gets to move on to the rest of his life. Now, I can't tell you what the rest of his life will involve. It might very well involve more political activity. It might very well involve less political activity. It might involve absolutely, positively no political activity. But whatever it is, that's his choice, as it ought to be. Then my question to you becomes... What about the rest of these folks? What about the rest of the folks who are involved in this little piece of performance art? Now, I know right about now, everybody is looking at Mitch McConnell and saying, hold on a second now, you want it both ways, right? Just so we're clear, you want it both ways. You want to stand up and say, Trump is a bad guy who did bad things, And you also want to say, but he didn't really do anything that we can deal with. But, yeah, there's another but coming, isn't there? But some other folks might might be in line to go after him. Well, you've got all your bases covered then, don't you? You're in favor of him and you're opposed to him. You support him and you're a detractor. You like him, you dislike him. You're a floor wax, you're a dessert topping, whatever it is. You've got all of your bases covered at that point. You cannot possibly, possibly go wrong at that point. So now what do you do? (laughs) And, And that, quite frankly, is where I am right now. I don't honestly know what is next. I don't honestly know who or what we deal with next. Maybe you do. 
maybe you have actually figured this all out. Because if you have, then I will be eternally grateful to you if you'll explain it to me. Because frankly, I don't know. I really don't. I cannot, for the life of me, figure out what happens next. We'll talk a little bit about it. The reason we've got to talk about it again is we can't move on, can we? The folks who were who were the so-called house managers, and again, remember that they're prosecutors, right? If you went into a courtroom in the same way they did, you would have been laughed out of that courtroom almost immediately. If a judge would have been hearing that case, I mean, a real honest-to-goodness judge. In fact, in fact, had this been a real case, it never would have gotten to the, quote, jury. Remember now, you had half of the jury members standing up ahead of time and saying, he's guilty. That's (laughs) thankfully not the way it works inside of our criminal justice system. That's not the way it works. You can't seat people on a jury when they march into it saying, uh, yes, we have already determined that the man or woman who's going to stand beside us, in front of us, on trial, is guilty. We don't let that happen. But that's what happened here. 50% of the jury had already determined and, in fact, announced publicly, yes, he's guilty, he's guilty, he's all sin. And then for the House manager to say, oh, by the way, one more thing. (laughs) Excuse us, Your Honor. Uh, One more thing. Since our case is failing so miserably, since we didn't actually do what we were supposed to do in preparing for this case, uh, would it be okay with you if we changed everything? Would it be okay with you if, if we now decided that we want to call witnesses? Oh, I know, I know we, did, we, we didn't have any plan to call witnesses before, but we didn't really think that we would need witnesses. But now that it's just not going our way, we're going to need witnesses. Oh, okay. Well, now what do you do? That's the other question. I'll tell you what you do. You fold your tent and you go back to Sarasota, or at least that's what used to happen with the circus. The circus would fold up the tents, the circus folks would get back on the trains, and they would go back to Sarasota because that was home base for the circus when the circus was not on the road. But if you are a swamp dweller, a D.C. person, I guess you, you probably go back to Bethesda, maybe Fairfax or Reston. But it is time to put this whole circus to rest, isn't it? That would be my sense. All right, look, we're going to talk about it to be sure. I can uh, let you know that uh, Glenn is fine. I know folks are going, hey, wait a minute now. Where's Glenn, Jeff? Where's Glenn? Uh, We've got bizarre weather all over the place, it seems, right? 
we've got all sorts of things going on. And uh, Glenn is dealing with some, uh, some power issues, just the way it is for a lot of us. Uh, we were very fortunate, blessed, I would dare say, here in my neck of the woods. We lost some trees in my yard, but no power, which is pretty cool. All right, I'm going to remind you, it is 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. Uh, if you want to send me an email, love to have you do it. You just visit the uh, the website, actually, my website, thejeffcatshow.com, thejeffcatshow.com. Most important websites for you remain glenbeck.com and theblaze.com. It is Jeff Katz in for Glenn today. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff Katz in for Glenn on the Glenn Beck Program. A couple of things that uh, you and I need to think about. We're going to have to think about these things seriously. And I've I've mentioned a little bit about this, about the circus. It's the only way that I can describe it. And I want to be as nice as possible. I want to be as uh, polite as possible. And so that's the way I will describe what we just saw take place in D.C., it was a circus, but there are other things that you and I need to be aware of. Hopefully, those things are wrapping up. Can I ask you to turn your attention for a moment to Minneapolis? Remember, Minneapolis was the big story for a while, right? George Floyd, you remember that? George Floyd was the victim of an absolutely brutal attack. And it happened at the hands of a couple of police officers, Minneapolis police officers. And you remember one of those police officers was kneeling on George Floyd's neck for what, eight, nine, ten minutes? It seemed like an eternity. If you would have told me it was an hour, as I watched the video, I I probably would have agreed with you. I mean, I lost all sense of time with that. I just couldn't couldn't make heads or tails of it. I got trying to figure out what's going on and why are you doing this? Well, the response from that on the local level in Minneapolis was to say that every police officer in Minneapolis was a bad person. The Minneapolis City Council said, we're going to get rid of the cops. We're just going to get rid of the cops. Now, this is a great story this morning on The Blaze, theblaze.com, and I'm reading it. I'm reading this story. Minneapolis City Council said, okay, two weeks after George Floyd dies in police custody, killed by a police officer, The city council in Minneapolis says, we've got the solution. We know what to do. We're going to dismantle the Minneapolis City Police Department because every one of those police officers is evil. And the only way to do with this is is we have to dismantle 
the police departments. Huh. Okay. Now, there were a lot of people on the sidelines saying, but you do understand if you dismantle the police department, that's the word you want to use, dismantle the police department, you do understand that the bad guys who already don't care about police officers, the bad guys who already do not care about decent society or your children will have a field day. And the Minneapolis City Council said, yeah, 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 whatever. Whatever. We don't really care. We don't care. We're going to do this, and we're going to do this immediately. Well, guess what happened? They tried to defund the police. Crime soars. And now they need to, quote, refund the police. We'll talk about it. It is Jeff Katz in for Glenn today. This is the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. This is Jeff Katz in today for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. It is Jeff Katz today in for Glenn on the Glenn Beck Program. Glenn is just fine, but ah, a couple of technical glitches. There's terrible weather, as I understand it, in Texas, resulting in all sorts of uh, power outages. And so, happy to uh, be covering for Glenn this morning, doing my best anyway. Look, it's not going to be the same, obviously, but uh, I promise I will uh, give it 110%. It's interesting for me because we just came through a terrible, terrible ice storm here in central Virginia. Uh, I am uh, pleased and proud to uh, to be the afternoon host on News Radio WRBA in Central Virginia, Richmond, Virginia, and the ice is always a factor. I was reading these horrible, horrible stories, and I mean horrible stories, telling us this was going to be the worst ice storm since 1998. Now, I wasn't here in 1998, so all I could do was ask people that were here, like, oh, my God, Jeff, you don't understand. We were without power for a week. Now, I grew up in the city. You have to understand, you grow up in, in Philadelphia, in the inner city of Philadelphia. You're never without power. This is such a foreign concept. But then... This somewhat, well, I don't want to say rural, but there are swatches of where I happen to live now, beautiful Hanover County, Virginia, that are very rural. And so this is a very real thing. And it's fascinating to me to watch someone like me who's, you know, I'm a city guy through and through. I hear Glenn talking about his cattle. And I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute. I was blissfully unaware, blissfully unaware unaware that there was a step in between the cattle grazing happily on the plains and, you know, the, the, the shrink wrap and styrofoam when I got to eat the cattle. I didn't know there was something in between that step. I don't want to know about that. Well, it's a little bit like that with the weather. It's a little bit like that with power. 
I'm sitting here in my beautiful broadcast hut. My heat is on. I've, I've got my coffee maker making coffee. I've got slippers and sweatpants. You know, it is Monday, so I'm wearing my blue sweatpants. That's part of this bizarre uh, situation we all find ourselves in, right? I don't know about you. I now work 100% of the time from home, and I'm thrilled about it. I don't think I will ever, ever return to the radio factory, certainly not on a full-time basis. Oh, I'll probably go in here and there, have a meeting, but I don't really even need to do that anymore. I've got this this freestanding building, and I love it. And I'm looking out the window, and I see trees, and I see snow at this point, but there used to be grass right there. And it never occurred to me that power could be disrupted. But sure enough, plenty of folks in our area here have had their power disrupted. So I'm just the city kid. You know, I just think everything is supposed to work. You just turn the switch. Now, the reason I mention that is I think there are a lot of people like me. I think there are a lot of city kids, even for folks who are not really city kids. We, we just assume that when you push the button, something happens. You flip the switch, something happens. And it's always the right thing that happens. Right? It's not a bad thing. You push the button, something good happens. You push the button, the, 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 the power is where it's supposed to be. Or you can raise the heat, or, or you lift the faucet and the water's there. You flip the switch and the lights come on. That's just the way it's all supposed to be, right? We've gotten lazy. We've gotten complacent. And I put myself at the head of the list of we. So I'm at this now and I see in my backyard I've got a big tree that came down that wasn't hit by anything it was ice something as simple as ice now my wife is a weather addict I, I, I don't mean she likes the weather I don't mean she's a weather aficionado I mean she is a weather addict Addict. Give me, give me, give me more weather, more weather, more weather. And she grew up in New England. So the weather she is used to, snow and lots of it. So she mocks, incessantly, frankly, the snow we get here in central Virginia. Because for the most part, we get two inches, three inches, even four inches of snow. Things are shut down for a week. And she doesn't understand. She's like, just give me the keys. I'm going to the store. I said, we, there's no reason to go to the store. The store will be closed because there are four inches of snow. Oh, that's craziness. Well, might be craziness from your perspective. But... We don't own a lot of snow plows in this area. We, the, the policy, quite frankly, for snow in central Virginia is eh, it's going to melt in a day or so. Because normally we'll have a couple of inches of snow and then two days later it's 60 degrees and it's all gone. And it's a distant memory. Well, the other day we got about four inches of snow. And we actually fired up our snowblower. Oh, they said, don't move it from Massachusetts. It's been sitting 
forever. She said, you know, we haven't used the snowblower in a long time. I said, well, that's because we don't really get snow. Right. Well, we got snow. So we decided to fire up the snowblower. And um, after a few pushes of the, you know, the air button and putting a little fresh gas in there and putting a little fresh oil in there and moving the choke back and forth, son of a gun, if that thing didn't fire up... And, and then we're out front in our driveway. And it's a lovely driveway. It really is. Uh, frankly, the driveway looks better than most of the streets I grew up on in the inner city of Philadelphia. But, but there it is. So, so we fire up the snowblower. In like 10 minutes, we've got our driveway cleared. And Heidi thought, oh, we're going to be the heroes of the neighborhood. Everybody's going to want to uh, come and talk to us because we've got a snowblower. In fact, they just wanted to watch and laugh because they said, don't you know it's all going to melt in a day? Well, we don't care. We got the snowblower. So we get the snowblower. We get it all done. But then because Heidi is a weather addict, she says, Jeff, we have ice coming. Now, this is where I kind of checked out. I just, I'm not a weather addict, right? I look out the window and I go to myself, okay, uh, it's raining uh umbrella yeah that's the way that works or i look out the window go huh snow maybe i should wear something other than flip-flops yeah and i can look at the thermometer and go 36 degrees yeah i should probably wear the fleece lined sweatpants that's it but heidi says no no jeff you don't understand this this ice stuff is serious now we hadn't seen any ice stuff in years Right? I've been at News Radio WRBA in Central Virginia, in Richmond, Virginia, for eight years. I've never experienced any of this ice stuff like this. And again, I remind you, they told us, all the forecasters said, hey, it's going to be the worst ice storm, the worst ice situation since 1998. Well, again, I wasn't here in 1998, so I have no frame of reference. But Heidi, because she is the weather addict, says, oh, no, Jeff, this is serious stuff. What are we going to do? And she's running around. She's plugging in every battery pack. Everything is charged. She says, do you think we can get a generator? I said, I, I, I don't know. We might be able to get a generator, but do you know... What happens when we get a generator? She says, well, what do you mean? I said, well, how does that make things work? Can I, can I plug the coffee maker into the generator? She looks at me, I don't know. You're the guy who likes cars. I said, well, I like cars. I don't know what I'm doing with cars. Nobody would let me fix their car. They barely let me borrow their car. Well, I don't know. So it's like, well, then why are we going to go try and find the generator? By the way, closest generator that I was able to find about three hours away, ice-covered roads. I said, right, just get an extra blanket out. We'll just get an extra blanket. We'll all cuddle together. But we were blessed this weekend, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. We had neighbors in our community. We live in it, you know, it's a... It's, a neighborhood, best way to describe it. It's a neighborhood. And we've got this little Facebook page that all the neighbors stay in touch with. You know, my son is cutting lawns this summer. Anybody interested? Or uh, we've got an extra whatever. Would you like? I mean, it's really great. Or my, my son or my daughter is doing this food drive for our church. Would you, would you be interested in contributing some canned goods? 
which is, by the way, where we always get rid of, uh, like, smoked oysters. I don't know why anybody ever decided to smoke oysters. It's wrong. But tins of smoked oysters are always, always good to, to donate. Now, you have to donate something good on top of it because nobody wants the smoked oysters. Nobody. Nobody. It is, quite frankly, the same as the fruitcake at Christmas. But Heidi kept telling me, Jeff, this is serious stuff. And sure enough, we had people not a, not a half mile, three quarters of a mile down the road that lost power. So we were blessed this weekend. Now, let me circle back to where this all started. I know you're thinking, Jeff, this is completely and totally disjointed, and it is. Except, here's how it ties together. What did I start with? I said, I'm wearing my blue sweatpants because it's Monday. Because that's, that's how I know what day of the week it is now. It's pathetic, right? But that's how I know what day of the week it is. It's the new blue sweatpants on Monday. Because everything now happens here. And I want it not to be the case. Now, I don't ever want to go back to the office. I will be brutally honest about that. I have no interest whatsoever, and I don't plan to. But for my kids... My kids need to be back at school. My kids need to be back in the real world. My oldest boy is a sophomore at Stanford. Amazing accomplishment. I mean, he's wicked smart, as we would say in in Boston. Wicked smart. So smart. In fact, he was the smartest guy ever to go to Stanford, and then he got smarter. Just ask him. His old man doesn't know anything. Just ask him that as well. But he needs to be back amongst his, his own people out there at Stanford. He, he shouldn't be here in our home. I mean, this will always be his home, but it shouldn't be his house. He should be on campus, in class, hanging out with other crazy smart people. And... My little guy, my little guy's a sophomore at high school, but this house was brand new to him. We had only been in this house, in this community, for about two, maybe three months when the whole zombie apocalypse hit. So he doesn't have any friends here. And now, for the last year, he too has been in sweatpants every day, sitting in front of a laptop in his room, not really learning. And I feel terrible for him. And then my, my middle child, my little Julia. Julia is severely disabled. Julia needs to be back in the classroom with those special ed teachers and those therapists, physical therapists and speech therapists and occupational therapists. It does Julia absolutely no good to sit in front of a laptop for a half an hour with my wife. We've got to return to the real world. And that's going to demand some honesty. It's Jeff Katz in today for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. This is Jeff Katz in today for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. It is a fascinating day, as every day is, right? Because every day now for each of us is so different than the day before. You know, yesterday was 
was, um, all right, wait a minute, blue sweatpants. No, yesterday must have been Sunday, unless it was a holiday, in which case it could be. Well, it was. It was Sunday. Today is Monday. Fantastic progression, Jeff. But this is the world in which we're living right now. And you and I are going to talk a little bit more about it. I don't want you to worry about Glenn. Glenn is fine. A couple of uh, little power things in Texas. So uh, happy to help out a little bit and sit in for Glenn today on the Glenn Beck program. Now, I'm just trying to give you a perspective on some of the things that are going on as we speak. We've just wrapped up this impeachment sham in D.C., And whether you thought Donald Trump was a great president or a terrible president, if you are to be honest with yourself, this piece of performance art from San Fran Nan and Jamie Raskin and the rest of these gang, it it was a waste of time and it was silly at best. And we're looking right now at folks in Minneapolis who were sure that the problem with the Minneapolis Police Department was that there was a Minneapolis Police Department. And their solution, if you recall, about a year or so ago, was to defund the police. We will eliminate, eliminate the Minneapolis Police Departments. We will demonstrate to those mean, nasty, evil police officers, we don't support them. And what happened? Oh, what happened? Crime rose. Police officers left. Minneapolis got even more dangerous. You know what they're about to do? They're about to refund the police department in Minneapolis, bring it back, apparently, to a level where those officers can fight crime. Read more about that story right now at theblaze.com. It is Jeff Katz in for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Exactly when did loving this nation become a bad thing? We'll answer that question on the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. It is Jeff Katz in today for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck program. Uh, Glenn had a little glitch this morning, a little power thing going on in Texas. Here I thought, here I thought that this global warming we all loved, gotten used to, was solving all these problems. Apparently not. Nonetheless, Glenn is fine for those who have uh, reached out and said, Jeff, where's Glenn? No, hey, Jeff, nice to hear you. Jeff, Jeff, where's Glenn? Glenn is fine. Let me ask you this question. Did it ever occur to you that being proud of the United States, loving this country, would someday be a bad thing? I got to tell you, it never, ever in my 50-some years occurred to me that it would be bad evil, nasty, wrong to love America. Let me explain why. And I want to remind everybody, if you want to uh, reach out, I'm always, always happy to, uh, to chat. 
888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. If you want to send me an email, the best way to do it, thejeffkatzshow.com, thejeffkatzshow.com, is a little contact button there. The reason that I ask this question, whether it ever occurred to you that loving this country would be a bad thing, is that I look back on my own life, and I also look at my little my little studio here, my broadcast hut. Now, I think back growing up in the inner city of Philadelphia. Everyone was a Democrat. Everyone was a Democrat. That wasn't a bad thing. Everyone was a Democrat. And there were folks who were certainly further to the left or further to the right, but there was no question about what your political registration would be. And that's how I grew up, but I just assumed that's the way it was everywhere. But within our community, this little section called Oxford Circle, within our community, everyone loved America. There was never any question about that, ever. And we had folks who had served in the military. We had people in our neighborhood who worked with their hands. People who understood how you wired things. People who knew what it took to dig a ditch. Quite literally, dig a ditch. These were people, men, who showered when they got home from work. Crazy observation. Well, now why would anybody think about that? I'll tell you why. These were men who went to work and worked awfully hard. And it was at the end of the work day that they went to wash the grime off. At the end of their work day, when they got home, six, seven in the evening, that they'd say, All right, before we have dinner, I'm going to go take a shower. Because if you work all day as a plumber, not a new construction plumber, but as a plumber, I can guarantee you, you have gotten dirty. And how do I know that? Because my Uncle Paul worked as a plumber. When my Uncle Paul came back to Philadelphia after having served in the Navy, He became a plumber, and he worked really, really hard. I mean really, really hard. And it was physical, back-breaking, dirty work. And the reason that I know about it is not because he was complaining about it. My Uncle Paul was probably the funniest man I ever knew. The reason I knew about it is that there were times where my Uncle Paul would let me come work with him. I don't know how old I was, 12, 13, 14, something like that. And my Uncle Paul had this old VW bus. And that's where he had all of his tools. And he had all of the pipe. Now, what he was lacking was a seat. Now, I mean, he had a seat up front, 
But when I went to go and work with him, he made me sit on a milk crate in the back of this VW bus to hold on to the pipes. And that was part of my job. Now, it wasn't, wasn't comfortable, I'll tell you that. Uh, it wasn't particularly pleasant. Because amongst other things, my Uncle Paul was, for a period of time, also a smoker. So it was, I mean, it, it was nasty. But I was thrilled about it. But then I got to see real craftsmen at work, real, real masters of their trade and their craft. Because it wasn't just my Uncle Paul. These were guys who did stonework, unbelievable masons and other talented craftsmen. They did an amazing job, but it was hard, dirty work. And I can remember the first time that I went to some job with my Uncle Paul. And he said, hey, we've got to replace a toilet. Okay. Well, it never occurred to me that the toilet had been used for years and might have been one of the reasons it needed to be replaced. But he went in there and he had shut the water off and he had his tools and he took the toilet off. And between him and me, we, we struggled with this toilet down a flight of steps and was back, I was out in a yard. And he said, all right, now, because we've got to take this toilet and, you know, get rid of it and the dump didn't want it like that, uh, take the sledgehammer and swing it and break that toilet up into a bunch of little pieces. And I thought, well, this is fantastic, right? Now, that's fun. Carrying the big toilet was not particularly fun. Lugging the tools up a flight of steps was not particularly fun. But swinging the sledgehammer to break the toilet, that was fun. And I swung it like I was Greg Luzinski, swinging for the stands at Vet Stadium. And then when I was done, because I smashed it up, boy, there wasn't a piece that was left. And then my Uncle Paul came down. And with this grin on his face. Did I mention he was the funniest man that I ever knew? With this grin on his face that was much more of a smirk. He said, okay, now crawl around in the yard and pick up every last one of those pieces that you created. Because we still got to take it to the dump. So again, it wasn't fun. That's what men in my neighborhood did. No, not the crawling around part, although they did the crawling around part too. They worked with their hands. And they decided that their children should not work with their hands. That their children should work with their heads. And I think that's where we kind of lost track of stuff. We kind of went off the rails there. Because we began as a society to start minimizing and mocking people who worked with their hands. People who were able to make things. People who were able to fix things. That's the backbone of this country. 
Small business. We always hear that phrase, small business. I always like to turn that phrase on its head a little bit, and I talk about local business because that's what it is. It's the local guy or gal. Those are the people who are doing the things that have kept our economy working. Those men and those women who figured out working with their hands, fed their children, provided an education and an opportunity to go and seize the American dream. And along the way, as they were realizing their American dream, other people, their employees got to realize their American dream. So why have we kicked those folks to the curb? There are a lot of us, myself included, who are saying, you know, it's wonderful. The one good thing to come out of the grand zombie apocalypse that happened almost a year ago. Remember, it's a year ago we were told we needed two weeks to flatten the curve. We're now coming up on the one-year anniversary of the two weeks to flatten the curve. But it is people like me who have said the one good thing to come out of this is that we're all going to be able to work from home. Well, I am fortunate. I am blessed in that sense. Yes, I absolutely have a commute now that's about 90 seconds. And sometimes it's, a, it's two minutes if there's a puppy broken down in the, uh, in the path to my office. But I've got news for you. People that make things, people that fix things still have to get up and go to work. And we are in the process of killing their businesses. I don't know how decent people who make things and fix things have even been able to stay above water this last year. But we have got to remember them. I want to give you just one little example, and then I, I want to bring you into this 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. If you, in fact, are one of those men, one of those women who has to get out, you can't do everything from your house because you are making something. You are fixing something. You, you, you've got the restaurant and the community, and you're thinking, man, people need to eat. And I want to get you in on this because it's your voice I don't think has been heard as much as it needs to. Even as glennbeck.com, glennbeck.com, Glenn has that wonderful GoFundMe activity underway to help some small business owners, some, some local business operators around America. So this past weekend, as we're dealing with weather in central Virginia... Our power stayed on, but our heater stopped working, or at least that's what I thought, because I don't fix things, and I don't make things, so I don't know much. I only know that I have to call somebody to fix things. So our thermostat was blank, and the last time that it was like that, it was because there was some sort of, um, I don't even know, the, the Johnson rod did this instead of that, and, and, and anyway, then there was a work crew here, and, and then it was all fine. But my bride, who I may have mentioned to you, is a weather 
addict. She watches weather the same way the teenage boy tries to get through the the cable channels that are not scrambled. You know what I mean? She's just addicted to it. She's sick. But she said, Jeff, my mother said, now right there, I should have known better. Right there, I should have known. Stop listening, Jeff. But she continued and I continued because, you know, it was Valentine's Day weekend and all. She said, my mother said, we should probably crank the heat up really high. So that if we do lose heat, because everything around here is on something called a heat pump, which is electric. If we do lose power and we lose the heat, it'll take longer for the house to cool down. And I said, oh, okay. So what do I do? I crank the heat. Now, we are relocated Yankees. I mean, I, I am a southern gentleman by choice. But I can tolerate cold weather a little bit better. So we never have the heat in our home higher than about 62 degrees. That's it. So I cranked it to 75. I don't think the thermostat had ever been set to 75. And the next thing I know, I'm sitting in my little chair going, you know, it's getting chilly. And for 75, it ought not be this chilly. And then I got up and I looked at the thermostat and it was blank. Now, I knew who was to blame. My mother-in-law. Clearly, my mother-in-law was to blame. But aside from simply reassuring myself that I was right all along, what good was that going to do us? So what did I do? First, I complained to Heidi. I said, see? She said, well, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. we got to call people. Got to call people. She's like, you don't have people. I said, I got people. I got guys. And sure enough, I started calling my guys. One of the guys I called was not actually directly. I called the HVAC company that services our unit. And I got the, the voicemail because it's the weekend. And I, not the weekend that did that terrible halftime show. I mean, the actual weekend. So I leave a message. Hey, it's Jeff Katz. Would you mind giving me a call back? That's done, blah, blah, blah. I get a call back from the owner of that company. And I said to him, Stefan, what are you doing? So what do you mean? I said, it's, it's the weekend and you're returning a service call. Why? And he said, because it's my weekend to do that. And I said, you're, but you own the company. I said, yep. I said, but you're, he says, I'll, I'll be out. Give me about 40 minutes. I got to get up there. And I said, no, seriously, who's really going to come? He says, it's me. It's my company. And because it's my company, I take every third weekend with the other guys or every fourth weekend, whatever it is, I take the weekend just like all the rest of the guys that work for me. And in fact, if they've got something to do, if they've got a special event with their family, I take their weekend. I'm here to tell you it's men like that we're punishing. It's men like that who truly are the personification of the American dream. And we're trashing them. We're taking men that proudly have a American flag sticker on their pickup truck or on their van. And we're telling them. They're bad. 
10-second pause here for station identification. It is Jeff Katz in for Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck program. Let me grab Danny from Michigan. Danny, welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Hey, thank you very much. I'm enjoying your show. Thanks, On a sir. snowy day. Yes. Uh, one of the things that is very difficult to get your arms around, my arms around about is the change in this economy that's occurred over the last 20 years. And you look at uh, the companies that are succeeding right now and those that failed. Um, Kodak, for example, their peak sales was $16 billion back in the 90s. And they employed wow. nearly two, 200,000 people. Now you look at a company like Facebook. Their revenue is $158 billion, and they employ 50,000 people. Where did everybody go? Mm. Where did those 100,000 people go to get jobs? Yeah. And this economy, and I agree with your point wholeheartedly, you made one of the greatest points of all, where parents like mine didn't want me to work with my hands. They thought we would give you a better way to live than bake, break your back like I, I had to do, and I don't want you to do that. Yeah. And the, the intelligence of what is so important to know about fixing things and creating things has disappeared. Yeah. And the only, the only creativity that exists now is through cyber world the creativity <laughs> of an idea or, or something that's not even real that you can get your hands around. It's all service-based stuff. Right. And to me, that that's the one thing that is the most disturbing. Yep. Um, and that's the only point that I wanted to make. Well, Danny, it's a great point, and I appreciate you calling into the Glenn Beck program. What a great point. I mean, you could we, we, we all are enamored of folks who make these virtual things. The problem is we're not enamored of people who make actual things things denny is in west virginia denny welcome to the glenn beck program hi jeff how you doing i'm fine thank you sir i just wanted to talk to you about the uh the the economy for the small business person um i have two, two points one is i'm a small business person in a construction business we do concrete work and uh the biggest problem we have is hiring people we wow. have we have uh, we have business that we can't even handle. Uh, and, and, and what you're talking about is people have lost their uh, willingness to work with their hands because their parents did tell them that, uh, oh, you don't want to do that. That's hard work. Exactly. And now you can't hire anybody that wants to work hard. And if you do hire somebody, uh, they grew up in that mentality and they don't know right. how to work. They were never taught. They were never taught how to work. Denny, I appreciate the call. You are so right. It is Jeff Katz in today for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. So, I was thinking about today hauling out my guitar and my harmonica, neither which, uh, neither of which can I uh, can I play. Um, but uh, I wanted to play. It's kind of a bluesy thing called sitting in the waiting room at the mechanic's shop, kissing my money goodbye uh, because I didn't get Car Shield Blues. Now, it's a little wordy. Yes, a little wordy. But I think you'll like the music. 
if I could play the guitar or the harmonica, you'd 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 understand. So let me just say this. If you've ever had the blues because your check engine light went off and you're like, I'm not going to check my engine light because I know what that's going to cost. And then it gets worse. That's the blues. Okay, grab your harmonica or get car shield. If anything like this happens to you and your car breaks down, you have 24 seven roadside assistance. They get you a rental car while yours is in the shop. They pay the mechanic, whether it's the dealership or, you know, your local mechanic doesn't matter. They pay them. They don't pay you. So you're not having to fork out the money. Get covered now. Carshield.com. Carshield.com. Promo code Beck. Save 10% right now. And head over to blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. You're going to save 30 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. This is Jeff Kent in for Glenn today on the Glenn Beck program. One of the things that uh, I am so grateful for is the fact that I'm here in the United States of America. I know it sounds trite at this point. My gosh, Jeff, we don't talk about stuff like that. Why are you saying that? Because right at this moment, I'm at theblaze.com. And if you don't usually stop at theblaze.com, then uh, you need to smarten yourself up a little bit. Theblaze.com and glenbeck.com. These are, these are must-read websites for me every single day. And the top story right now has to do with uh, Jamel Hill. She says patriotic symbols have been weaponized. She talks about empty gestures of patriotism. The other day, as everyone was discovering that Mark Cuban had stopped playing the national anthem before Dallas Mavericks games, people said, well, see, nobody even noticed. And other folks said, well, Jeff, we don't, we don't play the national anthem before, before movies or, or, or before plays. So why would we play it before sporting competitions? Well, it comes from the Olympics. It's a tradition, right? Whoever it is, that man or woman who has won gold, gets to stand on the, the platform and their flag is raised. It, it is about their pride in being whatever nation they happen to be representing, an American, a Canadian. And there's a certain amount of pride, and it's ca- it is carried over into our sporting events here. And particularly when you look at competition, say, in the NHL, when you have an American team and a Canadian team. And each is, at least in theory, playing for the pride of their nation. And that, that piece there about, well, you know, we don't play it before plays as if that was the reason to ditch it before sporting events. And I thought, no, 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 just the opposite. That's the reason we ought to play it before plays. You go into the theater, the first thing that should happen, yeah, is that the national anthem should be played. You go to see a movie, yeah, I don't think it's a big deal at all to say, put your popcorn down and stand up, we're going to play our national anthem, because it brings people together. But if you are on the other side of this, if you are one of the uber-leftists, if you are getting ready for the Great Reset, the very thing you don't want is people coming together with any sense of national pride. And I'll tell you what carries into 
national pride, and that is acknowledging people in our communities, whatever community you happen to be in. Now, I happen to be in this wonderful little part of the the country. This is Hanover County, Virginia. We're just north of Richmond, and I do the afternoon show at News Radio WRVA in Richmond. And in our little piece of America right here, we know people. I go a mile, mile and a half, and I see my friends Wendy and John. Now, if you were visiting this area, you might not know Wendy and John. You would know this great little restaurant with the Jeff Cat sandwich. How cool is that, right? Jake's Place. You would know that. But I know them as Wendy and John. And, and when my car needs to be fixed... I, I go and I see my friends, Stan and Megan. Now, God forbid your car broke down in this area. You wouldn't know Stan and Megan. You would know their business, certified auto repair. That's the way it is where you are as well. The ABC company that I would know if I came to your community, you know them as, as, as Bill and Mary. Because Bill and Mary go to church with you and your kids go and are, are students together. That's what we need to get back to. The sense of community at every single level. And it is men and women who make things and fix things. Who truly are the backbone of this nation. And by God, we've got to provide some support for them. Some, some appreciation to them. 888-727-BECK 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 If you want to send me an email, the best way to do it is to go through my website thejeffkatzshow.com thejeffkatzshow.com Donna is in Georgia. Donna, welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Oh, awesome job, Jeff. You know, you, you. I'm going to combine both last half hour and this one because you're really hitting on what is in my heart. When we grew up and we had hand workers that did that stuff. My grandfather would walk with his ladder because sometimes he didn't have a car to get to his job. We knew all of those people. Us kids knew Mr. and Mrs. Jones and Smith and McGillicuddy. We had ethnicities from all around the world who they came or their parents came. We knew them. We had to respect them. They watched over us, and they told our parents if we were bad, if we picked their tomatoes out of their garden (laughs) or whatever. They were wonderful. We felt like we belonged, and we had to work in that backyard just like them. So we would see them on the weekend if they're pruning their hedges. And we were either, you know, sweeping the sidewalk or whatever our job was to do. We didn't, they came home in their car or truck and they opened the garage door with their own hands. They didn't come in with the remote control, drive up to the mailbox and clean it out with their earbuds on as I'm yelling over, hi, Mr. Jones. They actually heard me and they came over and talked to me. So we have lost that with our white, also it's the white collar elitism. And we've grown up in that. We did that. But, yeah. but we've lost it because now they don't want to dirty their hands. We had to dirty our hands as kids. So we, and what you explained about the small town with that, we used to walk to the playgrounds and the ball fields. Our parents didn't drive us in a giant SUV three miles away to have somebody come from another town. And that works. they work for national and international companies. It's not yep. their business like your wonderful worker. So yeah. we have lost a huge sense of community and connectiveness and caring about each other. 
Donna, you, you are so spot on, and you said it better than I could. Let me ask you a question. When you were a kid, did your parents ever make a play date for you and one of your friends? Of course they didn't. You know why? Because... There was no such thing because you walked out the door and there were your friends and you played with them. There was no coordination in the home office. Well, uh, all right, mom's going to call the other mom and we're going to see. How does Tuesday at 3 look for you? Who cares? You're a kid. You don't need Outlook calendar. You don't need the to the second management and we have lost that and we are too well coordinated and we do have a generation now sadly i think who who has grown up never knowing anything other than that look my wife and i are in a mixed marriage i talk about this all the time she's from this bucolic little town in Cape Cod, the, the doors were never locked. I grew up in the city. Now, not the inner city, as you might describe it, but in the city. And all of our doors were locked just because. But we had this in common. She would leave her home at some point and wander throughout the town and play with her friends as a little girl. And while my buddies and I were not wandering all of Philadelphia for a five, six block radius, we just go and see other buddies. And I don't think anybody's got that anymore, do they? Mary Lynn is in Tennessee. Mary Lynn, welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Good morning, Jeff. I struck a chord with me when you were speaking of patriotism. And I do believe there is this intrepid fear of mm-hmm. it. Okay. And what they're fearful of is the light and the truth. And what is lacking is spirituality and morality. Mm-hmm. And growing up in Chicago, I mean, we had Jewish, Italian, Polish, Lithuanian, Greek, Hungarian, Mm-hmm. And everybody was cohesive with each other. The yeah. children would get out, and I have to pare it down as uh, comments because we would not have to have anything organized. We'd be out there, and it was just a dynamic patch quilt yeah. of how beautiful our nation is. And personally, affiliated with the military, our immediate family over a century. My heart swells with patriotism. And if I see anybody that serves, be it police, firefighter, EMS, whomever, military, I go out of my way to say thank you, bud, for serving. It, It is something that we need to cling to with every sinew, every every strength in our body and embrace it, not erase it. I couldn't possibly agree with you more. Mary Lynn, thank you so much for calling. We do need to embrace it because it embraces us. You know, we have gotten so self-centered. 
we have become so egomaniacal. We don't see things outside of us anymore, do we? And, and I'd love to tell you that, that I'm different. But then isn't that the whole thing? Right? Well, I'm self-centered again. It's, ego, it's egomania. I'm going to tell you how great I am about not being self-centered. Well, how unbelievably disconnected is that? I can tell you, just through the prism of life, there was a time, boy, there was nobody, nobody who was a bigger Jeff Katz fan than Jeff Katz. Oh, man, I could sit and talk to you about me for hours. And then I would ask you, what do you think about me? And then what happens? In my case, I get married. But even then, it's still, it's still egotistical. It just happens to be two egos now. Right? Well, now we're two egos and we can focus on ourselves, but we're still focused on, yeah, okay. And then, and then the kids come along. And there is no greater wake-up call. There is no better realization that it is not all about you once you realize there's an obligation to others. I think we've forgotten that. And I do believe we're so wrapped up in ourselves, we can't see that, that from outside we are unified by certain actions. Quickly to Daniel in North Carolina. Daniel, welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Hey, thanks, Jeff. I'm uh, agreeing with everything you've said so far. Thank you, sir. Um, I'm, a, I'm a jack of all trades. I'm a maintenance professional and um i wear a flag on my hat i wear a flag i have a flag on my pickup truck yep and um i am a big believer in in hard work whatever you do whatever you choose to do for a career you work hard at it um i do get looked down sometimes because i do have dirt on my clothes especially uh you know as the day goes on and they get dirtier and dirtier i do jobs that nobody else wants to do yeah. And um, there are a lot of people who don't understand that people like me are needed out there. Um, a lot of the kids I talk to don't understand that they can't all be lawyers, doctors and whatnot. There, there are people that are going to have to be skilled trades. Absolutely. And Daniel, I, I, I thank you so much for doing what you do. And it is a reminder that all of these lawyers and doctors and engineers invariably call people like Daniel when something needs to be fixed. Jeff Katz in today for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You are listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff Katz in today for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I want to remind you, if you want to shoot me an email, go through the website, thejeffkatshow.com. Have that great click-to-contact button there. I mention it because all of a sudden I've got folks I grew up with in Oxford Circle. I haven't heard from in years ago. Jeff, listening to you. You're no Glenn Beck, but I'm still listening to you, and it sounds like you're no Glenn Beck, but I'm listening to you. Do you remember me? And, uh, I still do. Okay. Uh, I am Jeff Katz, ordinarily heard on News Radio WRBA in Central Virginia. Uh, I do have somebody calling in from Richmond, so please let me uh, get to Steve, who was in Richmond on the Glenn Beck program. Steve? 
Hello, sir. How are you today? I am fine, thank you. Uh, I just I, I was listening in and really agree with what you're saying. You know, and I I actually uh, worked in construction as a plumber and as a an HVAC tech as a teenager, and then ended up joining the army and went in the security route later on. But I still know how to do my own work. And a couple months ago, I was fixing a shower diverter, an old one, and had to go to a specialty store and get the diverters. Um, to get the valves to put in the diverters and the got in a great conversation with the guy that lasted about 10 minutes what just while I was waiting mm-hmm. and he said that the thing you're seeing you're not seeing young guys come into the trade and the old guys are retiring two to one for wow. how many people are entering the trade and he said you give it 10 years mark my words and plumbers are going to be making as much as lawyers because nobody wants to do the work yeah well and and good for them Good for them. Uh, it is, as you know, tough work. And I appreciate the call, Steve. Thank you so much. It is tough work. And again, I started all of this by mentioning my Uncle Paul. I loved my Uncle Paul. God, did I love my Uncle Paul. Such a great guy. And I watched him break his rear end. Just working so hard as a plumber. And I saw up close and personal. But I also heard from folks in my Uncle Paul's generation, oh, don't work with your hands. We want you to work with your head, not your hands. It's easier. It's easier. Well, I suppose it is easier until such time as you need somebody who knows how to work with their hands. And then it may, it may not be easy, and it's certainly not going to be inexpensive, nor should it be. It is Jeff Katz in today for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. This is Jeff Katz in today for Glenn. So which is it, Dr. Fauci? We should or we shouldn't open schools? That answer's next, the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. It is Jeff Katz in today for Glenn. And I want to tell you that at the very, very beginning of this, my three children are, as we speak, at home. Now, nobody has school today, and it's not because of President's Day. No, no, no. I mean, it's, uh, it's various and sundry reasons, but what's weird is even if they would have had school, nobody would have left the house. My oldest boy is a sophomore at Stanford, and that campus has essentially been closed for, well, the better part of a year, right? In, in March, just a couple of weeks from now, you and I will be celebrating the one-year anniversary of two weeks to flatten the curve. And my, my oldest boy called me, I'm now realizing, last year, and he said, Hey, Dad, um, looks like they're going to be closing the campus for a couple of weeks. Can you get me a ticket? Can you get me an airline ticket home? And I thought, wow, for the first time in many, many years, I actually have some power in this relationship. I could, at least in theory, say no. No, I guess I couldn't. I mean, I could. No, 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 never mind. I couldn't. I couldn't. All right. So, so he gets the, uh, the airplane ticket and he comes home. Now, what does he have? He has a carry-on, like a, uh, a backpack. And he's got shorts and T-shirts because that's what he was wearing in March out in California and he comes back here to Virginia and shorts and t-shirts 
another couple of weeks before we would officially be wearing them, but not too far off the mark. Well, now it's a year later. And no idea, none, when he will actually be back on campus. My two other kids each attend school. Well, they're enrolled in school. Nobody's actually attending school, school in person. My little guy is a sophomore in high school. But he has been doing the at-home virtual learning. And I should be very clear on this. Our county, Hanover County, which is just north of Richmond, where you will find me on News Radio WRVA every afternoon. Hanover County, since all of this started, has given us the option, given parents the option of sending their children to school, in-person living in an actual school building, or virtual education at home on the computer. And then in the middle is my princess. Well, my princess, my little girl, who is going to be 18 years old in just a couple of weeks. My little girl, not so little anymore as she turns 18, but that's 18 chronologically. Developmentally, she's about 18 months old. And that's where Julia is always going to be, about 18 months old, developmentally. Because Julia only learned how to uh, walk in the last couple of years and Julia does not speak um, Julia doesn't know how to take care of herself you know she she can't get to the bathroom or give herself a bowl of cereal and unfortunately she also she can't tell us those things so Julia is always going to be at home with us and so I guess in some way this is you know it is what it is, but the reason I mention all of this is that each of my three children has a unique educational need. My oldest guy needs to be back on campus with other brilliant but thoroughly annoying college students. That's where he should be. He should not be living at home. Nobody who is an adult should be living at home with mom or dad. Just, no, you, you need to go out in the world and make your way in the world. So he should be out there with him. And my little guy, again, he's a sophomore in high school. He needs to be in a classroom, but here's where the rub is. And I know because you're, you're, you're thinking, wait a minute, Jeff, you just said, you just said that your county, Hanover County, Virginia, since day one has given you as the parent the option. That's true. But the option we chose was the at-home learning because of the fear that had been instilled in all of us thanks to folks like Dr. Fauci. 
right? What were we told? Well, this this uh, coronavirus. Now, remember, it started out as every single virus has been named in the past. It started out with its point of origin, the Wuhan coronavirus. Right? Just like Lyme disease. The Spanish flu. I mean, that's how things are named in the in the disease world. Good, bad, or indifferent, just the way it is. But then, because of the control of who, World Health Organization, by the leadership of the Chinese Communist Party, well, they were able to uh, exert some influence. And the next thing you know, instead of being the Wuhan coronavirus or the Chinese coronavirus, all of a sudden it was the novel coronavirus. And then they said, hey, you know, that's eh, people are going to think it's a book. We need something snappier. And they went to the division of snappy stuff. And the snappy folks said, hey, COVID, see, get it? Coronavirus. And what's the D for? Well, we haven't figured that out yet. We, we, we got to send that off to the other part. But uh, COVID-19. Yeah, we're going with 19. Woohoo! All right. So now there it is. Because it's first observed in 2019. But they scared the living, you know what, out of us, right? Well, we were all scared. Oh, my gosh. We're going to get it. We're going to die. Well, I don't like the odds on this. This is not good. Well, here's what we're going to have to do. Everybody's got to stay at home. All we need is two weeks. Two weeks to, quote, flatten the curve. Now, here's the deal. I've been around the block once or twice. I know how government works. And by the way, my dad retired after 40-plus years as an employee of the federal government. I know that folks who work for the federal government are actually pretty good people. But I also know that inside of, quote, government work, eh, sometimes the numbers get a little off. So when they said we're going to need two weeks to flatten the curve, I thought to myself, okay, I'm thinking three, four, you know what, let's just err on the side of cost. I'm going to say five weeks. It's going to take them five weeks for the two-week project, and then we'll all be back to, uh, to good. Well... <laughs> don't know if you've noticed this, we are now approaching the one-year anniversary of two weeks to flatten the curve. And so when our local school division said to us, hey, parents, you can send your kids to school or you can have the virtual learning, my wife said, look, if we send the kids to school, meaning my middle and youngest, my, my Julia and my, my little guy, if we send them to school, I am going to worry every single day. Every single day. As to whether they were exposed to this, and especially Julia. Now, I just mentioned to you, Julia is going to turn 18 years old in a couple of weeks. But developmentally, Julia is 18 months old. And what do 18-month-old kids do? What do toddlers do? They mouth things. Anything and everything they can put their hands on goes in their mouth. Boom! Now... 
you're telling me that if we send Julia to school, she is somehow going to have such great sanitary precautions that we don't have to worry about that. Well, no, that's not going to happen. And it's not because of the the teacher. In fact, Julia's in-class special ed teacher is truly one of the best human beings we've ever met. Miss Tanya is an amazing teacher. Incredible. But do you think that any human being can make sure that each of the kids in this classroom who are at comparable levels are not somehow going to be exposed to this? The answer is no. And so Heidi said, look, I just I don't want to worry every single day. It's going to be terrible. And she said, we, we, we've just got to do this virtual learning thing. We'll just do it at home. You know, it's not going to be that long. So that's what we did. And that's where we are. Well, look, Julia needs more than a half an hour seated in front of a laptop because that's what she's getting. And Heidi's doing her best, I know, to make it school, but it is what it is. And my little guy has got to be back with other kids his age. You know, he's got to be involved in social things as well as learning. Now, I raise all of these issues not to to preach or get angry or, or tell you, oh my gosh, feel sorry for me. Don't feel sorry for me, but I'm looking at the latest from Dr. Fauci. Remember him? You remember him, right? Dr. Fauci said, and I quote, if you look at the data, the spread among children and from children is not really very big at all, not like one would have suspected. Well, that was Dr. Fauci then. Then. But now that Dr. Fauci is all the rage with Joe Biden. Now Dr. Fauci says, yeah, we we can't open things up until that $2 trillion COVID package that my boss, the president, wants passes. Huh. Quote, schools need more resources. Obviously, it's not a perfect situation, but it's really important to get the children back to school in the safest way possible. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what we all have said, right? November the 29th, Dr. Fauci said, close the bars and keep the schools open. But now he says... We, 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 we can't go back. Oh, no, not a chance. Well, how is this going to work? And if you want to read more on this particular story, do yourself a favor. Head on over to theblaze.com, theblaze.com. That's where you're going to find the story. But how does this work? If, in fact... We're not going to reopen these schools anytime soon. Are we really prepared for a generation that is 
uneducated and not capable of working in the future? Could anybody say the great reset again? We've got to pause 10 seconds for station identification. Jeff Katz in today for Glenn on the Glenn Beck program. That is my question to you. What exactly are we ready for? Are we ready for anything? Because if my kids are not getting back to school anytime soon and your kids are not getting back to school anytime soon, exactly what happens when they are forced to participate in the real world? If, in fact, they are ever going to be forced to participate in the real world. You hear Glenn talk about it all the time, do you not? The Great Reset. I listen to Glenn every single day. And I hear him talking about the Great Reset. And what the Great Reset is truly, honestly all about is making people dependent and making sure that people who ought not be dependent are dependent. And what are we going to ask? Well, not much. I mean, your complete and total dependency, that actually is a big thing to ask. It is a big thing to say, hey, you cannot make any decisions on your own. You will not make any decisions on your own. But not to worry, we'll make sure that you have food. What kind of food? Doesn't matter. It's not your choice to make. This is the Great Reset. We'll decide what you need, when you need it, how you need it. We'll decide what you get. Did it ever occur to you as you look around the world right now, you look at images around the world, all of these leaders, and yeah, I'm making those annoying air quotes when I say leaders, all of these politicians, probably a better way to say it, whether it is the prime minister of New Zealand or Justin Trudeau, the clown prince up in Canada, or our very own Joe Biden. Standing with signs, using the phrase, build back better. Do you think that each of the national political brain trusts just individually came up with that phrase? Well, build back better. Oh, that sounds good. What does it mean? It means hit the button. It means hit the reset button, hit the great reset button, and everybody becomes dependent. That is where we're headed right about now. And that is a huge, huge problem. I mentioned uh, a couple of moments ago that men who work, and I mean really work, I don't mean like me sitting in in front of a, a computer screen, yakking into a microphone, that's, that's not really work, don't tell my wife that but it's not really work but i mean people who really work fixing things making things i mentioned that this past weekend as we're dealing with weather issues here in central virginia our our heat pump stopped pumping heat or at least that's what we thought it wasn't really the case but i i called the guy that owns the hvac company that services our stuff and he answered his 
phone and he called me. He said, well, yeah. And I, I said, well, what are you doing? What kind of, what kind of a business owner are you? Stefan, you, you own the company. You're not supposed to be running service calls in the middle of an ice storm on a Saturday. And he's like, well, yep, that's what I do because I do own the company. <laughs> And, and I take my service weekends just like everybody who works for me. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. And then Paul sends me this, this note. He says, Jeff, look, you started that story. Can you finish it, please? What's the deal with your heat pump? The deal is we're fine. A, uh, I'm embarrassed to say this. Do I have to say it? I, I'll say it out loud. The uh, circuit breaker tripped. All right, let's move on now. I, I know, I'm right. I should have checked the circuit breaker first, but I didn't. And so afterwards, so that's all it was. Thank you. But that's why you need somebody who knows how these things work. Because guys like me who really did listen to my parents when they said, oh, no, 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 no. Work with your head, not with your hands. Work smarter, not harder. People like me have to call people who know these things and ask them to please come and fix these things. Just occurred to me, how many lawyers does it take to install a toilet? You know what the answer is? I have no idea because I've never seen a lawyer install a toilet. Think about that. So when do we get our kids back to school? Let me, let me ask you, depending on where you are, you might be in a homeschooling situation. Boy, I hope you are. And I mean a real homeschooling situation where you are actually educating those kids because my hat is off to you because I could never do it. And I'm seeing now maybe we should have, but we didn't, and I can't. Are you in a private school where you're your son, your daughter is actually in a classroom with a teacher learning? Or are your kids sitting in front of their laptops pretending? Because I think there's a lot of pretending. 888-727-BECK. 888-727-BECK. If you want to send me an email, go to my website, thejeffcatshow.com. Thejeffcatshow.com. You will find there one of those uh, click to contact buttons. Click it, contact. We will uh, talk about it. And what role do the teachers' unions actually play in all of this? It is Jeff Katz in today for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. American Financing, NMLS, 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Anybody else find that frustrating? Yeah, okay. Let me ask you something. The uh, interest rate on your mortgage, what is it at right now? Do you have to go look it up, or do you know it off the top of your head? Is it over 4%? Is it over 3%? Because if it is, you're paying too much. Did you see what England, Bank of England came out and said? The interest rate will be in negative range in England within the next 45 days. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, okay. 
you want to consider refinancing your mortgage, get a lower payment amount, do it right now. Give them 10 minutes of your time today. It's American Financing. They're really professional, compassionate people that work for you. American Financing at 800-906-2440. 800-906-2440. Go to AmericanFinancing.net. That's AmericanFinancing.net. Kind of support, uh, important to support free speech? Yeah. Do that by supporting The Blaze. Use the promo code Glenn for $30 off your subscription at blazetv.com. Jeff Katz sitting in today for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Trying to figure out here if our kids ever actually do make it back to school this has been the question and i want to share a quick email that uh, came in and uh, this is uh, from mary mary rose out in idaho she says jeff i am listening to you fill in for glenn today where i live in idaho cordeline we go to school four days per week I am a special ed teacher. My kids are pre-K, and we are in school all this school year. We don't wear masks, although we have the wear mask signs up in restaurants and stores. I'm always wondering when it will end due to other people driving here just to have the freedom. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I do know, however, she says, that Washington, D.C. will eventually stop the freedom we in Idaho have. What a sad thing to think about, but she's probably right. I mean, what is the latest that we are hearing from Washington these days? We're hearing now, hearing now that we, well, you know, we've got to wear two masks. We had the one mask situation. And then we heard the other day, well, two masks. You've got to wear two masks because clearly two masks are better than one. And using that logic, let's not kid ourselves, three masks are going to be better than two and four masks will be better than three. And at some point, how many masks will you and I need to simply exist in the world? Will we be allowed to exist in the world? Far be it for me to tell any of the scientists, the medical professionals, how many masks are optimal. But I do know this. One of the things that I learned over the years, because I haven't always been in the radio business, right? I was a police officer. I trained as an EMT. I have uh, been a volunteer for years and years and years with uh, various and sundry emergency response teams, right? So I've always had a real mask, right? Because I have legitimately been concerned about germs. I've been concerned about particulates in the air. So... When all of this stuff started, and oh, you got to wear masks, I thought, well, you know what? 
finally, probably for the first time in my life, I'm ahead of the curve on something. I already have my masks. I've already got them. I've already got the right kind of mask for a situation like this. Right? I already have the KN95 mask. I've got a couple of them, as a matter of fact. But then I started looking at folks who were also, quote, wearing masks. And I thought to myself, now, wait a minute. That's not a mask. I mean, it was, it was almost like that. That Australian guy in Crocodile Dundee, that's not a knife, this is a knife. And I thought to myself, that's not a mask, this is a mask. But then I realized there are a lot of people with those masks and very few people with the mask that I had. And then even for those people who are, quote, wearing the mask, they're not wearing it properly. It is not a headband. It doesn't do any good if you've got it up there on your forehead. It's not an ascot like your, your Thurston Howell III wearing it down around your neck. Well, I'm covering my mouth. Well, what about your nose? Well, what about my nose? Well, your nose is not just a snack dispenser. You got to cover that puppy up if, in fact, you want the mask to be effective. All right, I'll cover up my nose. But now the mouth is undone. This smacks of theater. And please understand something. I'm not in any way minimizing the risks. I believe they're very real risks. I believe they're very real threats. And I believe that you and I, as decent people, as fellow inhabitants of the United States of America, that, that we should take steps to mitigate the problems that others might face. But you can't do it with this foe situation. And that's what we're seeing a lot of. Mary Jo sends a note. And again, if you want to uh, shoot me an email, you go to my website, thejeffcatshow.com, thejeffcatshow.com. You click on the button that says uh, contact me, and then you contact me. So Mary Jo says, Jeff, I have sons in parochial school, grade school as well as high school. They've actually both been in school full-time, face-to-face since August, and there have been no issues. There have been cases of COVID because of the testing rules issued by the government and sporting officials, but the students are fine, at least physically. It's sad, though, because they are so limited in their social activities outside of school. There are no movies to go see. They cannot cheer on their friends at sporting events due to limitations in spectators, etc. By the way, the faculty members who have tested positive for COVID, they have contracted it outside of school, and all of them have recovered at home. Do you remember when President Trump, back when he used to be president, said, the cure can't be worse than the illness? The cure cannot be worse than the disease. He was right. And you remember when, 
Oh, what was his name? Uh, it was all the rage for a while. Had saved so many people in New York State. Um, uh, uh, Andrew, right? It was a- Andrew Cuomo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. He played the part of the governor of New York. Remember him, right? And then he had that 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 best-selling book that talked first person about what a great guy he was. First person. Well, I saved everybody. Look at what I did. I've done an amazing job, and I should be strongly considered for any number of national posts, because frankly, this whole being governor of the Empire State is really getting old. Remember him, right? Yeah. And now we see, oh, wasn't quite how it was presented by Mr. Cuomo. It wasn't quite how it was presented by the leftists, even as they were trashing former President Trump. Why, this guy doesn't know science. This guy is a blowhard. This guy is, insert whatever term you want there, because they just hated him, and they hated him with a passion. And so whatever he had to say, even when it was something as correct and benign as the cure cannot be worse than the disease they had to trash him and they did everything possible to laud in the in in the most grandiose of ways their guy their guy governor cuomo See, Cuomo's all about the science, Jeff. Cuomo cares. And yet it was President Trump who made sure that the hospital ships traveled to New York to treat victims of the coronavirus. You remember that, right? And they sat empty. All the while, Governor Cuomo was having... People ill with COVID-19 taken to nursing homes and assisted living facilities. They mocked Janice Dean. Why, you know, she's, she's just a weather caster. Okay. She knows more science than I do. Ah, oh, you can't take anything she says seriously, Jeff. She doesn't know what she's talking about. You've you got to look to this guy, Governor Cuomo. He knows what he's doing. Cuomo's the guy. He's our, he's the best guy. You just tell that Janice Dean to, you know, go go on about her business. Hmm. You see who was right all along, right? You see who had it right all along. You see who was misleading everyone all along. Now, what do you think the chances are? What do you think the chances are that Joe Biden's Department of Justice looks into any of that stuff? in New York State. I'm thinking not particularly likely. It's it's almost like the the niece of Vice President Harris. Apparently the Vice President's niece decided she wanted to somehow I guess turn her profits on being the Vice President's niece and I don't know if she had clothing or or what it was but the White House immediately said, hey, whoa, you can't do that. No, 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 no. That's not going to happen. And I thought to myself, because I, I got to be honest with you, I didn't read the whole story. I just saw the headline. I thought, well, wait a minute. 
did the vice president's niece forget to put aside 10% for the big guy? What if, what if Hunter Biden were on the vice president's niece's company's board? Would that work then? I don't know. Hey, I, I've got to share very quickly here an email. Says, Jeff, the last time you filled in for Glenn, you shared the story of a young lady in Virginia near you who makes bracelets. Could you share it again? And I thought, well, I don't have all the time in the world, but you are talking about, you're talking about Emily Morrissey. Emily is a young lady in Chesterfield County, Virginia. She has CP and a couple of other challenges, but she did such amazing work in her her in-school therapy with beads. And she loves making these beautiful bracelets. I'm wearing one right now because I wear one. Well, I don't always wear it, but I always wear a bracelet from Emily on any day that ends in Y. So today's Monday, so I got one on. But yeah, uh, Emily is doing well. And if you do want to check her out, it's emilysbracelets.com. Emilysbracelets.com. So thank you very much. That is uh, Cindy in, um, hang on a second, Cindy in Philadelphia. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So that, if you do want to check it out, uh, you go and you check out what Emily is doing. I know she's She's got a whole bunch of stuff coming out. Thanks so much to uh, to Glenn and the gang for letting me sit in again. Always a pleasure. Jeff Katz in for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff Katz in today for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I'm trying to figure out if, in fact, our kids get back to school. I keep saying kids, and I, I, I should be... Uh, a little more charitable, I suppose, in that description. I mean, I say kids, and my immediate vision is kindergartners, right? All right, not a big deal if the kindergartners are playing at home or playing at school, because we used to think the kindergarten was just playtime. And then we we find out from people who actually are in the business of teaching, and I don't mean the leaders of teachers' unions, because unfortunately, gosh, this pains me to say it, because I grew up in a union household. I have been a union member. Um, I, I, I just see teachers' unions who keep moving the line and saying that they do not really want to go back to teach. I mean, that's really what the message is from so many of the teachers' unions now. Well, we just don't want to go back. We'll keep doing this, but you're not educating anybody. Well, so what? We don't want to catch COVID. Got it. I don't know anybody who does. So you can be first in line to get the vaccination. Whoa, slow your roll down there, buddy. Why should we get the vaccination? We don't... Look, it's, it's, it's one or the other. You want to be back in school helping my kids? God bless you. I'm there for you. But that means you got to get back in school and actually educate the kids. Bridget sends a note. She says, Jeff, my son was a junior, but he begged to be in school. A very intelligent student, always scoring high on tests. He and I decided to take him out since he was just spinning his wheels with no passing grades since March of 2020. Because of the school setup. Well, he dropped out a couple of weeks ago. He took the pretest for GED the next day. He passed with such high scores, he can go on to take the actual test with no further classes. He's actually excited to start taking welding classes in person at our local community college. Well, more power 
to him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wish him nothing but the best. I wish him nothing but the best. And frankly, I wish the best for the rest of us as well. I, I, I wish each of us the opportunity to see our children attend school, learn something, sweat the math test. I mean, seriously, be concerned that you haven't studied enough. Have some degree of, dare I say it, peer pressure from your fellow students going, man, you really got to you gotta study this stuff. It's not easy. And working together. Could you imagine that? In a study group. I mean, these are all things that should be easy. These, these should be the norm. This is what each and every one of us should be expecting it should not be a surprise or a shock but i guess we'll see which way it goes i want to remind you if you want to stay in touch thejeffcatshow.com best way to do that thanks again for the opportunity to fill in it is jeff cat sitting in today for glenn beck this is the glenn beck program